It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Rook. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all It is the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy, here until 6 o'clock. And then you'll hear me broadcasting from the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne. It will be the Mastodons Coaches Show, John Kaufman, men's basketball coach, women's basketball coach, Maria Marcasano, among our guests tonight. You're invited to come on by and be part of the show live at the Holiday Inn, Purdue, Fort Wayne, right across the Memorial Coliseum. If you haven't, they've got a nice little restaurant lounge in there. You can come by, get a bite to eat, or maybe a drink, and just hang out with us. From 6 to 7 o'clock, it is the Mastodons Coaches Show, presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. About 15 minutes away, 10 minutes maybe, from Kevin Bowen. 93.5107.5 The Fan down in Indianapolis. He'll join us. We'll talk Colts football. We'll get Kevin's reaction to what happened last night, that scary Scary, frightening situation with DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. And we'll talk to Kevin about that coming up at about 5.15. Right now it means it's time on a Tuesday, first edition of 2023. I've got to get my 2023 streak going. You know, I want to get a streak where I like I can say I am unbeaten in 2023. And so if you'd like to play some Tuesday Time Caps Trivia, be the first caller at 260-447-8500. That's 260-447-8500. 447-8500. Call now, and you can play some Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. It's a chance to win a large pizza, two pizza hut. In fact, we'll give you the pizza even if you don't win Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. You'll get the pizza anyway. So call in. Uh, 447-8500 for our Tuesday time capsule trivia. Man, are the Pacers on a roll. I don't know if you've been following this last night. Pacers got yet another win, this time over the Toronto Raptors. And, you know, you got to love what you're seeing with the Pacers because they are getting balanced. They've got different guys leading them each night. Last night, it was Ben Matherin who put up 21 points, one of seven Pacers to get double figures. Uh, a game on New Year's Eve against the Clippers. Pacers beat Paul George and the Los Angeles Clippers, 131-130. Five players into double figures, led by Miles. Miles Turner with 34. How about that? So it's been a nice run. Pacers just swept their four-game homestand, and they've now won six of seven, and they sit safely in that sixth spot right now in the NBA Eastern Conference Remember, 7 through 10, got to play the play-in games. Uh, 1 through 6, automatically on to the playoffs. So being 6th is a big spot to be. <coughs> All right, so yep. let's do this. Uh, we got to play some Tuesday Timecast trivia. We got a contestant on the line, so let's go ahead 
and find out who is today's player for Tuesday Time Caps Trivia. Who's this? This is Mike in Fort Wayne. Hey, Mike, uh, do you know how the game works? I do. Actually, I played uh, about six months ago. Okay. Well, we'll give you a chance to get your first win then. <laughs> uh, all right. So, oh, no, Brad, I got I actually won on the first question. Oh. Your accused me of possibly Googling the answer. Oh, okay. Can't um, have that. No, all right. No, no Googling. <laughs> It's time um, for the Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia on the Sports Rush. All right, let's get into clue number one here. The third annual World Taekwondo Championship is held in Chicago. This is the first time the event took place in the United States. Okay. No way Mike's going to get this on the first clue. Go ahead, Mike. Player pass. Brett, it's a wild guess. I'm going to have to pass that one. Taekwondo, I'm going to say uh, 1985. Brett, that was the number in my mind if I was going to guess. So I'm going to stay close and go 86. All right, we're going to go on to clue number two here. This one uh, kind of relevant. Pele, uh, who we just recently lost, played the final game of his career at Giant Stadium in New Jersey. He played the first half for his current club, the New York Cosmos, and the second half for his old Brazilian club, Santos, in this year. Uh, and this is going to be Mike that gets to go first. Okay, Paley just passed away at the age, I'm going to say early 80s. I'm going to go 50, 45, I'm going to say 1982. I'm going to go in 1989. Oh, man. All right, let's go into clue number three. The Major League Baseball expansion, Seattle Mariners and Toronto Blue Jays make their debuts in this year. Um... Is that Mike or Brett? Uh, that's me, right? Yep. I get to go first. Yep, because this is Okay, three. let's go with uh, 1988. Whoa, way off, Brett. I'm going to go 1974. All right, we're going to go on to clue number uh, four here. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers win their first game ever over the New Orleans Saints in their second NFL season Ooh, it this is, year. It's an older one. 1976. Um, I will say, I think he's pretty close. So I'm going to say uh, 1979. All right, we got one more clue here. Man. In the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship this year, Marquette wins 67 to 59 over North Carolina. I go first, right? It is number five. Yes, you do. Uh, Butch Lee. Look that name up. Butch Lee was one of the key players on this team. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was in 1978. I'm going to say 79, Brad. I'm, I'm... No, I said 79. Oh, I'll give you one more shot. I, I said 79 on the last one. One more shot. Uh, 77. 77. Yeah. There it is. I, I, knew, I, I knew we had like, what do we have almost every year around it? You were getting six. You were narrowing it. Nine. Uh, what I have, 80? Yeah. Yeah. So the only two years in between there. 
I, I remember it because Butchley, it's uh, Dick Enberg and Al McGuire. Was Al, Al McGuire the coach at that time? No idea. He was. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, Mike, uh, congratulations. Stay on the line. You've got a pizza coming your way from Pizza Hut. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Love yep. the fan. Great right. show every day. Appreciate that. That is Mike, our contestant today on Tuesday Time Capsule Trivia. Our guest on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline coming up next is Kevin Bowen. You're listening to the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, along with Adam Lundy. Coming up at 6 o'clock, we head to the Holiday Inn, Purdue-Fort Wayne. We've got the Mastodons Coaches Show. Big week for, well, both the men's and women's basketball programs. The men will be home a couple of times. The women will be home on Wednesday. And we'll talk to the coaches about it all. Coach John Kaufman, men's basketball coach, and Maria Marcasano, women's basketball coach, joining us tonight on the Mastodons Coaches Show, presented by Diamond Residential Mortgage here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Of course, uh, we had some Colts football, although it is painfully difficult to, one, watch, two, listen to, and then maybe even three, talk about. And that's a position that both myself and our guest are in right now, having to talk about Colts football, even though it is about as bad as we've ever seen it. It is Kevin Bowen, 93.5107.5, the fan down in Indianapolis, joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. It's getting kind of tough, Kevin. Yeah, I, I would say that's that's an understatement from a cold standpoint right now. I know you, have, you know, I've talked pretty much every week all season, and it's it's a year that has um, gone in my eyes, or you know, from really mis- most disappointing cold season under Jim Mercer's ownership. I would say the most embarrassing, and then you know, Sunday was kind of the latest example of that, um, thirty-eight to ten, and. You look at a Giants team that I don't think they had beaten a team by more than eight points all season, and then they beat the Colts by 28. And, you know, oftentimes you get late in the season, what you see is you see some of these teams kind of bottom feeders, drafting high. They have competitive competitive performances, maybe even pull off an upset. I mean, Houston took Kansas City to overtime, the one at Tennessee. You know, Denver challenged Kansas City for – so pretty much 60 minutes on Sunday. The Bears have been relatively competitive as well, and yet the Colts just seem to be getting worse. Yeah, uh, I mean, Jeff Saturday. there's a difference. Those teams have had pride and professionalism, and the Colts, I mean, I don't know if we've got either one of those things right now. And uh, a couple of examples came out in the game against the Giants. Before we go any further, though, I do want to address what happened last night because I think it's the biggest story, and it's much bigger than talking about anything the Colts are doing right now. And that was the incident that happened in Cincinnati with uh, DeMar Hamlin. And, uh, I mean, just made you sick on your stomach. And I think the most difficult part of it was you knew it was serious. You just didn't know how serious. I mean, to me, it was just tell us that he's at the hospital and he'll be okay. And the longer it went and they didn't tell us just made me feel sicker and sicker last night. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when those things happen, Brett, um, you know, I have such a queasy feeling um, when they occur. Frankly, it's a feeling I had when Nick Foles got sacked um, on on Sunday and, you know, kind of his body's convulsing. And, you know, I, I think in a way, yeah, I'm sure we'll, we'll get to that. But, you know, the Colts offensive linemen, I think, were almost staring at Nick Foles like they were stunned watching his body react in that way. And then, of course, with everything that, that happened with Hamlin, um, 
what you're waiting for is the thumbs up. And, you know, obviously that was not going to occur. And then all last night, uh, I, I was just like anybody else. You're just waiting for an update, waiting for an update. It's not come from the hospital. It's not come from the league. And it's an uneasy feeling. And I think myself, I got two young kids. Maybe, you know, maybe Max will w- wake up late, uh, early in the morning and, and, and I'll see an update. And sure enough, you know, about 145, that was when Buffalo had the update. And, you know, when you watch the hit, I mean, again, we watch a whole lot of football. You know, the Derwin James hit on Ashton Doolin two weeks ago, you would consider more violent. You'd consider that to be more of the ooh and, and, and flag and all of that. I mean, it was almost like, in a way, Hamlin kind of absorbed T. Higgins on that hit and, and just such a freak thing to watch and the uncertainty of it all. And, you know, I, one thing that I've grown to realize, and it was very quickly in covering the NFL and now doing it for – a dozen years, um, the whole brotherhood family nature to it could not be more true. Um, I think these guys, frankly, they spend more times with with each other from you know July to January or February than they do with their own family. Um, and to watch the players and their emotions on both sidelines, tragically, that really said it all. Yeah, and I think uh, some of that brotherhood, I think the players understand that they're playing for big paychecks, but they also are putting a lot at risk during the course of their career to collect those. And when something like this happens, it makes them almost, I think, question whether or not the game is worth it. And I'll be honest, Kevin, this year it seems like we've seen more of these frightening injuries. Tua and what happened with him. I mean, that was frightening to see him stumble and drop and and uh, and then the hand twitching. I mean... As the game gotten more violent, it seems like they're trying to protect the players with all these safety rules. But I can't remember having a season where we've had more violent hits or injuries resulting from hits as what we've had this season. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, I guess a couple of things that kind of pop into my mind when you bring that up. You know, the, the Tua situation and the Hamlin situation both ironically enough, occurred in Cincinnati in primetime games, you know, Thursday night football and then Monday night football. So I think all eyes are on it. Obviously, we, we would have seen it. We, we live in a media culture that you see everything on social media. So I do think that contributes to it. Uh, you know, violence-wise, I mean, I, I don't think the game is necessarily a more violent. I, I, I would agree with you. I think a lot of the violence has been trying to be taken out and there's an element that you still sign up on a dotted line and you know you, you you certainly understand some of the risks but you know i'll go back to what i said a few minutes ago i didn't think last night's hit was on the violent scale was you know that that extreme that's just what makes a kind of the uncertainty of it all and the scariness of it all i think even more well, it was the offensive player hitting the defensive player which is right. even more odd yeah, and you certainly think about T. T. Higgins, you know, and, and, and all of this among a lot of people on, you know, both of those sidelines and, um, you know, just thinking about the Hamlin family and, and reading up on him. It seems like a really good individual and doing some great things off the field and been through a lot growing up in the Pittsburgh area to get where he is at right now. And, um, you know, in talking to guys and, you know, the Colts have played on Monday Night Football here a couple of times in the past month or so, these guys live 
for that. I mean, and I think all of us, in a way, we have this kind of special feeling towards Monday Night Football of the last game of the week and the only show in town, and you can't wait to watch it. And, <laughs> you know, Mondays have that Monday feel to it. And I was just imagining Hamlin with his family there. He's playing a team that loves to throw the football, so you know as a defensive back you're going to get a lot of action. And then to have all of that mm-hmm. transpire, uh, it just adds to the horrific nature to it. The uh, you know, and speaking of the violence in the game, it led to almost a Harlem Globetrotters type moment, and it involved one of the players from Fort Wayne, Jalen Smith, who former Notre Dame linebacker, <laughs> came in on I believe it was Foles that was at the at the quarterback position at that time, and it looked almost like one of those whoop whoop uh, little. Uh, re- did you see that where he came in totally clean to to sack him? And then got fooled about him throwing the ball. So Smith <laughs> Smith held up, kind of put two hands on him, and then all of a sudden turned his head around and realized he still had the football. I, I thought that was kind of a comical moment. Yeah, Nick Foles has had some awkward scramble-type sack <laughs> moments. Um, yeah, it was almost like, I think he had like a hug-embrace maybe in that in that Chargers <laughs> game or in, I don't know, Jalen Smith situation. Kind of look like that as well. Uh, it was almost like, man, they sort of feel sorry for the Colts yeah. and their, you know, quarterback situation this season. I will say, you know, something that you, 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 I think you obviously notice in watching Sunday's game, um, and the Colts have seen it, I think, several times this season, if not every single game. It's the threat of having the ability to run the football from the quarterback position that is such a dynamic weapon. I mean, I think a lot of your listening audience is our Notre Dame fans and, you know, Tyler Buckner, you know, brought that during the bowl game. Um, just the fact that you can, and I'm not talking necessarily even to the Buckner level or to a Lamar Jackson type level, you know, and, and Daniel Jones is, you know, more of a scrambler than most, but just the subtle movements in the pocket, you know, for those that watch Sunday night football, there's a play late in the game where Kenny Pickett rolls out to his left and his ability to extend the play which I think once as a quarterback you get out of the pocket and you kind of reroute your your own direction, that then reroutes all of your pass catchers. So if the, if the defensive back was thinking for a second here, hey, I know he's running a post, or I know he's running a slant, and you can sit on that, but once that route becomes ad-lib and the X and the O's are gone and it's backyard football, that's what makes really defending the pass game so difficult. And the Colts have lacked that at quarterback now for several seasons. Carson Wentz had an element of that, certainly, but Philip Rivers did not. Matt Ryan did, does not. Uh, Nick Foles does not. And he, I think you can make the argument Jacoby Brissett would fall on the scale that, 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 that doesn't offer yeah. a whole lot of that. So, you know, as we talk about the future at that position and what the Colts should be looking for, um, luckily I think both college quarterbacks now come with that element with how the game is at that level. Uh, but I think that's really important. Uh, speaking of that, I was going to ask you about C.J. Stroud's performance, and right now he seems to be an odds-on favorite for the Colts if they hold on to that fifth draft pick. What did you think of C.J. Stroud as a Colt? Yeah, I, well, I thought he was outstanding on Saturday night. I mean, absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I certainly have my questions about Stroud. I mean, I, I feel like I watch a good amount of them, just um, you know, being in Big Ten country and all of that, and. You know, the thing about Bryce Young versus C.J. Stroud that I find interesting leading into this weekend is, and I'll give Bryce Young a lot of credit for him playing in the bowl game. He definitely did not need to do that. And based off today's mm-hmm. college football world, that's not something that you, that, that you typically see with guys, you know, projected to draft, be drafted where he is. 
Bryce Young cannot answer the biggest question about him. The biggest question about Bryce Young is his height. He can't change that. Uh, that answer is a given. C.J. Stroud could have gone out Saturday night and answered the question about him, and that was, can you be more of a creator? And I use that creator term. We had Dane Brugler on our morning show here in Indy a few weeks back, and for those who don't know, Dane is NFL draft analyst for The Athletic. And Dane used a phrase that I really, really like. It's that the quarterback position is no longer a passer, it's a creator. Um, and, again, this gets back to kind of the running element. And certainly passing is a big, big part of that. I don't want to diminish that. But I thought Stroud created a lot for Ohio State on Saturday night. Um, again, he's not Lamar Jackson, but he's certainly not Nick Foles. I mean, mm-hmm. he is a, he, he's a good enough athlete at the quarterback position. I thought he made some huge, huge throws. I thought he carried Ohio State for long stretches. Um, I, I was thoroughly impressed. And honestly, watching, I'm thinking to myself, he ain't lasting until five. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, that's a thought, and I'm talking about the fifth overall pick. Right. I think now the debate is where does Bryce Young go? Where does C.J. Stroud go? You know, the Colts can be anywhere from three to six, depending on this weekend's results. Where do they fit into that? Are they a trade-up candidate with a Chicago team that's not going to take a quarterback? Where is Will Levis in a lot of this, the, the Kentucky quarterback? Those are all the questions I think we'll uh, have to answer over the next few months. The uh, You know, the thing about having the mobility and the ability or the threat to bust a play with your feet as a quarterback, uh, I think it also kind of forces defenses to second-guess man-to-man coverage because they don't want to get caught with their backs turned knowing you've got a runner out there and you've either got to ha- add an extra spy. I think I think it frees up coverage. Let's put it that way, that if you've got that yeah. threat, it changes coverages. You've now got to add a spy perhaps in, in the, the package. I... I yeah, I understand exactly what you're talking about. Hey, let's talk about this situation with Foles. First of all, it'd be nice if we actually had a left tackle that could block somebody from Foles' backside instead of just letting him go and and knock Nick Foles into a different zip code. But he goes down, he's hurt, and you've got the uh, the New York Giant. Is it Thibodeau? Thibodeau? What? what yes. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he's sitting there doing snow angels on the on the turf. And, hey, look, I've been around enough to know. You stand up for your teammates. Somebody's got to go up. And I would expect it to be Quentin Nelson. It wasn't. It wasn't any of the Colts that, that challenged him doing snow angels next to their injured quarterback. That just kind of tells you something about this team right now. Yeah, and there's a lot of places to go with it. I'm glad you pointed out the beginning of it. The beginning of it was Kayvon Thibodeau, their best edge rusher, was a free rusher. <laughs> like. Does that just sum up the Colts' season? Yeah. Oh, here's 37th free rusher at a Colts quarterback, and let alone it happens to be their best edge rusher in Thibodeau. Um, you know, I, I'm a bit torn on how it all unfolded um, because, again, my first reaction watching was, oh, my gosh, Nick Foles is in some absurd amount of pain. Like, his body, to me, was it, it looked like he was convulsing a bit on the ground. I, I thought of Tua immediately. and The camera angles aren't great, but I'm trying to look at, like, Nelson and Kelly and the offensive linemen. I'm like, okay, where are they at when the sack happens? You know, obviously Thibodeau is right next to them. But it almost seemed like, to me, they had a stunned look on their face, like, what do we do to our quarterback? Like, like do we, do we try and pick him up? Do you try and, like... Do you stand there and watch? Like, 
all of that. Now, Thibodeau, the Snow Angels, lasted about 10 seconds. So I, I, I would think after about five or six seconds, you had to have noticed him. Um, I think once you get to the sideline, and again, this is a little bit too like, hey, I'm going to get that guy back, and the retaliation is uh, certainly alive and well with the thought that I'm going to have here. But I think when you get to the sideline and you realize Nick Foles is okay in the sense of he's being just carted in the locker room and it's a rib injury and it's not anything more than that, that's when you, as an offensive line, have got a band together, or even during halftime. I mean, maybe at that point, that's when somebody gets wind and they, and they see what Thibodeau not only did on the field but also did on the sideline as well. And that's when you say, all right, enough's enough. We're going to make sure that he that he feels us in the second half or there will be an extracurricular activity after the whistle. And just Saturday uh, did mention that earlier in the week. So, um, again, part of me did want to acknowledge, and I think it's fair to point out, just what Nick Foles looked like on the ground in that scene. And I think initially you're just stunned and shocked about your quarterback. But after that, considering it, I think it was the second quarter, you had a lot of time to get into Kayvon Thibodeau's face the rest of the game, and I didn't see that happen. Yeah, I certainly could understand with this offensive line why they would be absolutely shocked they allowed a sack the way the season has gone. <laughs> uh, Kevin, uh, I-, I wanted to talk to you about the Pacers. We'll have to do that next time because uh, that's kind of a fun little story that, that brings a little positivity to the discussion. But the Pacers are on quite the roll, and uh, it's a fun team to watch. So looks like there's chemistry. And uh, I'll just ask you this real quick because I do think it's kind of top of mind. Miles Turner, is he a long-term pacer or is he still a trade bait? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, if he's not willing to sign an extension here in a month um, or in the next month, you have to trade him. Um, you, you cannot let him get to free agency and think that you're going to win a bidding war. If he's willing to test the market, that's too scary for me. If I'm Kevin Pritchard and I have to trade him, and I know that that is losing an important piece, and there's not a lot of answers behind Miles Turner on the depth chart right now, um, I can acknowledge all of that, but you need some return on his, on his investment. The good news is uh, there seems to be a better chance that this relationship continues past the season than if you and I would have this conversation yeah. you know, months ago. And so I think that is important to acknowledge as well. Yeah, I, uh, I thought it was irreparable, irreconcilable, or whatever it is. I don't know. But I, I thought when, when he went public with some of the things that he said, I thought, okay, the relationship's done. It's got to happen now. Right. Um, but now he's actually saying the right things. I mean, it seems like, hey, he's trying to get our fans on board. He's trying to promote the team. Maybe there's going to be a, a change of heart with Miles and maybe with the Pacers as well. Kevin, always appreciate you, man. Have a, have a great week. We'll talk to you again. All right. Happy New Year, guys. Yep. Happy New Year. That is Kevin Bowen joining us for the first time here in 2023 on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Plenty more to discuss. Mastodon's nice trip out to uh, Pennsylvania and Eastern Ohio. We'll talk about that. And we'll also wrap things up before the Mastodon's Coaches Show comes up at 6 o'clock. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. I am Brad Rump, back in the pilot's chair. Is this the pilot's chair? Is that what this is? Yeah, You're yeah. You're my captain? Yeah, I'm the co-pilot. You're the co-pilot. You run the controls. Exactly. I make all the important decisions. Yeah, you're like uh, Shatner on uh, Star Trek. He just kind of tells oh, yeah. everybody what to do while he sits in the chair. And you're Spock. 
Are you calling me a dweeb with? Uh, is Spock a dweeb? He's kind of a nerd with the with the silly ears and everything. I don't okay, know. Okay, so who in Star Trek would be? Because I'm not a I'm not a Trekkie, so I don't know. I don't know either, honestly. Those are about that's about the extent. Only two, only two I know. <laughs> Captain Kirk Scotty. and Spock. Is and, it a yeah, the guy that beams him up. He's the Scottish guy. Ah, beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> they named the Scottish guy Scotty. How about that? <laughs> so. Yeah. So uh, anyway, we are back uh, enjoying our our time uh, our time back here, and uh, of course, big thanks again to Shannon Griffith who took over the what Shatner seat is that? What yeah, I took say? over the Shatner seat. The, took over the Shatner seat. The Captain Kirk spot. Shan- Shannon in the Shatner, and <laughs> uh, Griff did a great job filling in while I was enjoying some cold temperatures in Florida. So anyway, but. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, I, I took that trip from Florida. Of course, as soon as it got warm in Florida, I had to go to the airport, get on a plane. But uh, I ended up flying directly from Florida to the Pittsburgh airport because the Mastodons were scheduled to play Robert Morris out of their Christmas break. And Robert Morris just happens to be like five minutes from the Pittsburgh airport. So it works out very conveniently. And so I flew in to... Uh, well, actually, it was a it was not a direct flight. I had to fly to Washington National Airport, which may have the longest walk of any airport I've ever been in. Minnesota <laughs> can be pretty long. Minneapolis, uh-huh. Minneapolis uh-huh. Airport. Uh, but this, my goodness, I was like the last gate on the B terminal, and I had to go to the last gate on E terminal. And I thought I had like an hour and seven minutes or something like that. I thought I got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the time I dragged myself to the gate, <laughs> uh, I uh, didn't have all that much time before we started boarding. But uh, but anyway, I didn't realize when you're flying into Washington National, maybe it's uh, maybe it just depends on if the president is at the White House. I don't. But you do not fly directly into the runway. You come in from an angle and then make a very late turn and land. It's like. It's kind of an odd pattern, and I would imagine for pilots, it's quite a bit more difficult than having a straight-on landing. But I wouldn't like that. No, but I ended up getting to Pittsburgh on time, and I was fortunate because if I was scheduled to go the day before, I would not have made my connection. I would not have made the game. No. But uh, I did get there, and the Mastodons didn't have their best performance against Robert Morris. No. Um, kind of a little bit of a surprise. I, I wouldn't say a shocker, but... Uh, Any conference road game is going to be tough, yeah. but it is a team the Mastodon should beat. Yes. And uh, I think in some ways, uh, I don't want to say they're bored, but it, you know, in some ways, this team is good enough that they, they, they want the tournament. You know, last year, they had all the heroics during the regular season, and it all meant nothing. And so for them, I think they want the tournament. And I'm not going to say that seeding isn't important because certainly it is. You want to get a home game. You want to, uh, you know, be able to get down and, and maybe wear your white uniforms when you get uh, into the semifinals, <laughs> if you can make it that far. But but the point is, you I mean, you want you don't have to win a regular season championship. Last year it was nice. Because, unfortunately, the Dons didn't win the tournament, so they at least had a regular season championship that they could kind of hang their hat on for last year. But um, And it earned them a lot of respect around the league. 
but they just didn't play real inspired basketball. And, you know, a lot of times you can point at the coach. That's fine if that's what you want to do. For me, I kind of feel like, hey, that's on the players. They're the ones that get together in the locker room. They're the ones that are spending the time together outside of meetings because of the meeting, you're not going to have a big rah-rah speech. And so I think the the leadership of the team has to have the team ready to play. And even though they, they fought and they, they battled, they just couldn't get over a hump. They seemed to be behind the entire game, always playing catch-up and just never could get over the hump, ended up falling by five points to Robert Morris. But in some ways, that inspired them for that Youngstown State game. Because mm-hmm. if you looked at the weekend and you said, okay, the Dons are going to go on the road to Robert Morris, Youngstown State. What are the, what, what's the likeliest record that they would come back from on that trip? And you would probably think, well, if they get two, they're, that's pretty they're, special. Yeah, they're really they're, cooking, yeah. Yeah, uh, because Robert Morris can be dangerous. Youngstown State may be playing as well as any team in the Horizon League. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Youngstown State did suffer a loss, but they lost at Northern Kentucky, which is one of the toughest places to play in the league. And so playing at home, they only had one loss over their last, I think it was six games. They were averaging 88.3 points a contest. They had uh, four guys that averaged double figures. I mean, this is a loaded Youngstown State lineup, and mm-hmm. they're playing at home. Yeah. And uh, Man, the Mastodons went in there and just locked down defensively, held them to 30 first-half points. In fact, they had 28 until the final shot at the horn uh, gave them 30 for the first half. Great defensive effort. Yeah. Uh, Mastodons now have have climbed up, and when you talk about earning respect, I mean, that was was a big-time win because Youngstown State, on the net rankings, you hear the net rankings referred to, especially when it comes time for the tournament selection. (laughs) Yeah. The net rankings, Youngstown State was number 100 on the net rankings going into that game. Yeah. And so that ends up being a, uh, is that a quad two win, I believe? Playing a top 100 on the road, I think is a quad two. I was going to say, you'll know better than me. Yeah. I mean, they have quad one, quad two, quad three, quad right, four. Right, right. And uh, and so I believe that qualifies as a quad two win because the Dons now are two and one in quad two victories. They're also two and one in quad three wins. And for a mid-major, that's most of who you play is going to be the quad twos and the quad threes. You just don't get many shots at quad ones. But the Mastodons have moved all the way up to number 120 now in the NCAA net rankings. They are ironically now one spot ahead of Youngstown State, who comes in at 121. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our friends to the South, Ball State. Uh, we had Michael Lewis on the program yeah, last month. He was great. Uh, they are 123. I, I Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're right around in that area. I right mean, in the ballpark. Yeah. And um, the Ball State Park. The Ball State Ballpark. <laughs> the Ball State. Yeah, okay. Um, it's still early in the year, folks. We're just getting <laughs> we're back, getting, into, we're, we're getting getting warm back into the groove. You yeah, know it. Still working on it. Give us till about February. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, if you look at the record, they're 10 and 5. Mastodons are 10 and 5. And I can't say there's a bad loss. Now, there's a couple of losses where you think, yeah, they kind of should have won. Should have won, yeah. But it's not like you played some team that's 4 and 15 and, and just completely fell flat. No. Uh, they lost to Detroit at home. That always hurts. They lost to Robert Morris at Robert Morris, two conference games. You know, that's no fun. No. 
But, uh, you know, three of their losses have come to two Big Ten teams, both on the road, Mm -hmm. and to Southern Miss on a neutral court. Southern Miss right now is 13-2. And And, uh, that is in the Sun Belt. Is it the Sun Belt Conference? Not sure off the top of my head. Uh, Uh, I think it's the Sun Belt. We'll figure it out. Yeah, but Southern Miss is 13-2. That's a really, really good basketball team. Uh, last seven home games, in fact, these seven home games the Mastodons have had so far this year, they have outscored opponents by an average of 27.9 points per game, and they're coming back home. They've got Green Bay on Thursday night at the Coliseum. They've got Milwaukee, who has kind of out of the blue under a new coach. They uh, all of a sudden look like a real threat in the Horizon League. Now, they, and to give you an example, they went, first of all, they went to Oakland and got smoked on Thursday. But to show you the kind of team they've got, they came back and played at Detroit Mercy, which is one of the toughest places to play at Callahan Hall on Dick Vitale Court. Uh, Detroit just doesn't lose home games. Last year, Detroit was undefeated at home until the Mastodons won the last regular season game at Callahan Hall. They had won like their last seven or eight from the season before that at home. I think somebody said they had won like 25 of their last 27 home games. They got beat by Milwaukee. So Milwaukee, a very difficult opponent that comes in here at the Alicante War Memorial Coliseum on Saturday. So should be a fun week of Mastodons basketball. We're going to talk about it tonight because we have got the Mastodons Coaches Show. In fact, it comes up at the top of the hour. Research is showing that uh, Southern Miss is in Conference USA. Conference USA. Okay, I knew it was one of the two. Well, yeah, we got it. Uh, but um, we'll talk to Coach John Kaufman. Also, we'll talk to women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano. They got a split of their weekend, although they flipped what the yeah what the men <laughs> did. They got the win at Robert Morris and then lost at Youngstown State. But we will talk to uh, Coach Marcasano because they get ready to play in-state rival IUPUI, mm-hmm. and so we'll talk about what she learned on the road trip. And uh, I-, I will say this: one thing with the women is they were finishers this past week. And they've struggled finishing in fourth quarters of close games, and they were a finisher against Robert Morris. Well, that's awesome. I like to hear it. On the road. Making progress. uh, We'll talk about what are the keys to the game playing uh, IUPUI. That is a Wednesday night tilt at the Gate Center, and we'll talk to Maria Marcasano about that game and more coming up on the Mastodons Coaches Show at the top of the hour. In fact, speaking of college basketball, Purdue likely will not be number one. Oh, no. And it may not be the loss to Rutgers that cost them not being number one. Because if they bounce back after the loss to Rutgers and come back and win a couple more games this week, including the game at Ohio State, depending what the teams behind them do, you never know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah you'd hate to, if you're going to lose to Rutgers, you'd rather lose like you did on the road. Well, UConn just lost two, and they were number two. Yeah. So, you know, things I mean, get shaken it, up. It, it depends what those teams do, because now we're getting into the conference grind, and n- nobody is going to scare anybody. And uh, obviously, Rutgers was not intimidated at all. They've got that great veteran leadership. And and I think uh, Coach Peichel might be, I don't know, where would you rank him in the Big Ten? He's got to be right up there. Yeah, I he's mean, Chris up there. Holtman's a terrific coach. Tom Izzo, I don't I. I guess he's a good coach. It's hard because is it reputation? Because, you know, he got this, he kind of got this identity of being a March coach where all of a sudden, you know, Michigan State's mm-hmm. always a threat in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of gone away, hasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, a little bit. The last I mean, time the, they made a run in the tournament. Haven't made a run in a while. Yeah. So, but um, I, I mean, I, Fran McCaffrey, I, I, I am not a big fan of. Um, so I mean, you look around the Big Ten. Micah Shrewsbury's doing a really nice job. Former Purdue coach doing a really nice job at Penn State. But, um, but basically. Uh, Coach Peichel's a terrific coach and came up with a terrific game plan of how to deal with Zach Eady. And even though they couldn't match him inch for inch, they were able to surround him, force him into making some mistakes with the ball. And uh, and really, Purdue had to come through with three-point shots that they were not able to hit. And so may have been the blueprint to how to beat Purdue. Yep. I will just say this. Purdue will not be number one because, not because of the loss to Rutgers. They will not be number one because they will not win at Ohio State. Well, not a chance. There you go. Not a chance. I just, I mean, I would be shocked. Zach Eady would have to go for 35 or more. Now, we'll see. But I just, I don't see them winning on the road at Ohio State. It's a tough game. Tell you that much. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. What do you say, Boiler fans? What do you think? Let us know, 46862. (laughs) Got to take a break. Uh, We'll come back. It's about time to wrap this one up. And uh, I got to get across town. So uh, I got to hustle out of here to get to the Holiday Inn, Purdue Fort Wayne, for the Mastodon's Coaches Show, which hits your airwaves at 6 o'clock. By the way, uh, this announcement that the Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson, which, of course, is hosted by our buddy Don Fisher, and if you're wondering, no, Don did not do a show this week, but he will return next week, pretty much because Indiana didn't play. <clears throat> but uh, Inside IU Basketball with Mike Woodson is going to come up tonight at 7.05. All right. It was actually recorded and produced last night, uh, but uh, we will have it on the air tonight after the Mastodon's Coaches Show. So that's all on the way. We'll be back. It is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Welcome back. Final time to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix. I am Brett Rump, along with our producer, Adam Lundy. What a day. It's good to be back. And we got through two hours to kind of break in our 2023. We're going to come back tomorrow, hump day edition of the Sports Rush, 4 to 6. But thanks to our guest, that appeared on the show today, Mike Butt talking Buffalo Bills and, of course, the DeMar Hamlin story. We appreciate him and uh, kind of an old friend who uh, used to work here in town. And if you missed it, of course, you can always catch up with it on the podcast, available wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search for The Sports Rush with Brett Rump. Also, thanks to Kevin Bowen from 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan down in Indianapolis. He joined us earlier this hour. I am out of here. Got to get to the Mastodon's Coaches Show out at the Holiday Inn, Purdue Fort Wayne. That comes up next. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. There are the falls between when the sun